0: Pastor Matt here, and here's the sermon from December the 13th, 2020. My son Samuel Harmless is preaching, and he's preaching on the topic of peace. That we can all be here today, God. I um, want to pray again for those who are sick. Um, pray for, for quick healing for them. Um, that way everyone can be here for, for Christmas Sunday next week, God. Um, pray continually for, for the Doolin family as well. Um, once again, just praise you for, for the work that uh, Mr. Doolin did. Um, your name, amen. Okay, so um, when I was thinking this week about what to preach about, there was a topic that came to mind that is usually associated with Christmas, um, you know, Christmas as a whole. Um, and it's one of the things that I think is talked about a lot, but, but nobody really has. Like in the world, nobody has this for a very long amount of time. They have it temporarily, but nobody is able to hold on to this like elusive topic. Um, you know, it's something that I feel like is desired by everyone, yet yet nearly no one has it for for longer than what seems like a few minutes. You know, they they desire it, they covet it, they see it as a sign of progress and a generally just a good thing too, a universal good. Uh, and the Bible has something to say about this topic too. In fact, I would say it talks so much about this that it's hard to cover it all just in one sermon, in one sitting. Um, and well, what is this topic? It's peace. Peace. Now you see what I mean about desired by everyone, right? I mean, nobody is going to say no to peace. Everybody wants peace in their life. You know, sometimes, I know my parents will say, I just want some peace and quiet. Especially when we have family over or, or something else. <laughs> Um, everybody wants peace. It's it's the goal of of many things in life, such as you know war, conflict, um, lawsuits, like things like this. Their ultimate goal is to reach a settlement, a resolution, a sort of peace. And I think right now, more than ever, uh, we see a desire for peace in our lives in America. You know, things are complete chaos right now, and I don't think I really even need to reiterate why. We all know. We hear, it, we hear it all the time, why things are so bad right now. Um, you know, we need peace. We need relief. We need things to be settled, to, to just be quiet for a bit. You know, I just need a break. I hear that so often. I just need a couple hours to relax, you know. Especially as a college student, I hear that all the time. And sometimes for myself, too, although, you know, I try not to work too hard. <laughs> I mean, but how common is that, right? I just need to sit down for a few minutes and just take a break, I just need to take a nap. You know, something like that. Um, and it's part of American nature, too, because, you know, we push ourselves constantly every day, trying to get as much done as we can, and, and sitting down for a few minutes almost seems wrong. But then we say, again, wait, I just need to stop for a second. It's almost, you know, conflicting nature to it. Um, you know, and there are certain outlets that we've tried to, to make in the past in the world to, to get some of this peace. Uh, I think social media is one of them. You know, it used to be an outlet to relax at one point. At least I remember when that was the case. Um, I, I, when I first got into social media, I thought, Oh, this is great. I can keep up with my friends. I can see what everybody's doing. But then, you know, the jealousy starts to set in. The anger. The desire for everyone to be correct. You know, <laughs> these, these things of social media, they start to set in. You realize it's not actually peaceful. It's causing me more conflict, more and more more. You did this desire for resolution. You know, everyone wants peace. Yet our society is constructed around giving us a temporary peace and then showing us how really not peaceful it is. People say all the time, oh, do this thing for peace, right? Meditate for 37 minutes in the morning, 12 minutes in the afternoon, and then for one hour before bed, and you will feel 100% more peaceful. And you will sleep well. That's what they say. They might say, just get Billy Bob's new book about peace. Read it three times, fully, fully. Don't skip a word, and then you will feel peaceful. And you will be at peace with the world. Many others believe that more money is more peace. The more stuff I can buy, the more stuff I have, that will make me feel better. That will make me be at peace with my life, with my circumstances. Buy a nicer couch to take naps on. Buy a nicer car so you can feel cool. Buy a better house so you can feel safe and at peace this, by that. There is no end to the temporary solutions that the world offers. But what happens every time when someone begins to believe one of these things is the, the resolution, is the peace, is the source of peace, they're ultimately disappointed. Because there is no lasting peace. If you, the more you buy, the more you see there's no lasting peace. The more you, you look for other outlets, the new self-help book, whatever it is, you're going to find that there's no lasting peace in it. Maybe this drives them to to drugs or alcohol. Because these things, ultimately, they give you a temporary peace to get you through. But then you keep going back to it because you need more of that peace. You need more. You keep wanting more. That's part of the human soul, isn't it? We keep needing more. More peace. But there is no lasting source of peace in the world. There's no ultimate resolution in the things that we can get. It gives you a temporary peace that helps you numb the pain and then, and then helps you forget the chaos that you live in just for a few minutes, maybe. This chaotic, unpredictable, uncontrollable world that you live in. And it drives people to things that, that ultimately destroy them more and cause them wanting more peace. Turn to John, to John 14, 27 with me real quick. Fourteen twenty seven. have it up there as well if you want to read it there. Let's read this through. Peace I leave with you. My peace I give to you. Not as the world gives do I give to you. Let not your hearts be troubled. Neither let them be afraid. So how do we get peace, right? We see the need in everywhere, in in everybody. There is is a need for peace. How do we get it? Well, Jesus answers it right there. The world promises all sorts of peace, but it doesn't last. It it numbs the pain and makes it seem like the chaos is under control just for a while. But what did Jesus say? Jesus said that he gives it to us, not as a a 10 ways to get peace quick book. Not through alcohol, not through something that we do. What does he say? He says, my peace I give to you. If, If we have accepted him as our savior then he gives it to us not as the world does not as the world promises and leaves you hanging with a temporary peace that leaves you wanting more jesus gives an ultimate resolution an ultimate peace you know this this fake peace that the world has been trying to sell to us has been around since the fall in the garden of eden too adam and eve were there they were at peace with their life with their circumstances where they lived they had peace in their marriage and Satan comes along and says, look, you can get this peace from God. You can get it for yourself. You can have it anytime you want. You don't have to rely on God to get that peace. You can get it right now. Just do this. And ever since then, this has been a continuing theme of the world offering peace, offering a temporary solution to your problems. I mean, look at Jeremiah sixteen thirteen through 14, or uh, 6, 13 through 14. For from the least to the greatest of them, everyone is greedy for unjust gain. And from prophet to priest, everyone deals falsely. They have healed the wound of my people lightly, saying, Peace, peace, when there is no peace. I imagine Jesus had this passage in mind when he was, when he was talking in John 14. Especially when he said, not as the world offers peace. Right? Jesus comes in and, and breaks the mold that has been set up by the world. The mold that, that there is temporary peace to be given. And Jesus breaks that and says, I'm here to give you ultimate peace. You can keep searching all you want, but you're not going to find that peace except in me. Everyone and everything is trying to grab your attention and tell you how peace is offered here or there, and, and this is how easily you can get it anytime you want. Just take it. You will be content if you come here and do this thing, and Jesus comes in and he freely gives. You don't even have to take, he gives. Jeremiah also says that the priests are trying to offer this numbing peace too. In in today's day and age, we have the same problem, don't we? Where people are are promising ways to get peace outside of Jesus. They take the authority of scripture and then then put put that on themselves and say, this is how you get it. This is how you get this peace. They proclaim peace, peace, like in Jeremiah. But then five minutes later, when the high fades, you're right back where you started searching for more. Jesus, who is the owner of peace and the giver of peace and the Prince of peace, says, "In me you will have peace. I give my peace to you. In this world you will have tribulation, but but I give this peace to you, because I have overcome the world." Jesus is our source of peace. Peace is the uh, is also the third fruit of the spirit, as I'm sure many of you know. Um, and what we do know about the fruits of the spirit, they do not come from within us. They are not of our power. Why? Because they are the fruits of the Spirit. They're not the fruits of the flesh. They're not the fruits of our passions. You know what those are? That's anger, hate, selfishness, pride. These things, those are the the fruits of ourselves, the fruits of our flesh. But the fruits of the Spirit are love, joy, peace. We do not make the fruits of the Spirit show up on our own volition, but instead, when we accept the Holy Spirit into our hearts... We begin to show the fruits of the Spirit because that is exactly what they are. They are fruits of the Spirit. They come from something. Peace is a fruit of the Spirit because God has given it to us. Jesus has given it to us. Without Him, we can never find peace. We can't find it. Everybody's searching. You see it all around. So now turn with me to Hebrews 12. Specifically, um, um, verse, verses 14 and 15. I'll read it off the slide. Strive for peace with everyone and for the holiness without which no one will see the Lord. See to it that no one fails to obtain the grace of God, that no root of bitterness springs up and causes trouble, and by it many become defiled. Okay, so what do we do with this peace, right? So we've, we've got it, right? We're saved. You're here. You may, right? You're saved. But what do we do now? With this peace. We found it, right? People are searching everywhere. What do we do with this peace now? We all know that we don't get straight up into heaven as soon as we're saved, otherwise, I would hope a few more of us would be gone by now. No, we are still here with another mission in mind, which is to show others Christ, to help others find this peace. And you know, many of us are proud of that. We name Christ and we say we are Christians. Right? And then we go out into our week and our day-to-day lives and we're not afraid to call ourselves Christians. We're not afraid to share it. If we say this, though, if we say that we are Christians, that means we are indwelt by the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit now lives in us and is pushing us to do the right thing. Is helping us do the right thing. He is helping us to produce the peace that Jesus gave us. We should be living in such a way that that demonstrates Christ, and many of us are, because that's, that's what would happen, right? If the Holy Spirit is living in us, we should be demonstrating Christ. We should be living out this peace, because we found it, right? We found the peace. Jesus has opened our eyes to it. If we truly have the Holy Spirit living in us, then we should be demonstrating peace to others, right? But what happens is is instead we go out into our lives and some of us, we're like a hurricane of destruction. You may come in here today and say you believe what's in the Bible and you might praise the Lord, maybe even offer a little praise when we're doing praise and worship time. Might sing the song with us. But then you go out into your day-to-day lives and you're like a tornado of pain that just keeps spinning. It's spinning and, 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 and insulting others and gossiping and, and tearing others down. You're so full of contention and strife that there is no way that someone could see you and think, wow, that is such a peaceful person. You know what? He just seems different. I don't know. I don't know what it is about him, but he just seems different, you know? Something different about him. Some 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 peace there. I want to talk to him. Instead, you're the one who walks into a room and everyone has to tense up, like, oh, what's he gonna do now? What's he gonna say? someone walks out of the room and you're the one who begins talking about them and insulting and gossiping. Some people might say, well, oh, that lady, man, someone, someone insulted her behind her back. I told her about it. I was like, let's go tell them off, right? And then she just brushed it off like it was nothing. What, what is that? What is that? Is that peace? But instead, many of you would be told that somebody insulted you behind your back and you would go insult them you would go return the favor. Or worse, you were the one who called someone else an insult behind their back. You're the center of pain for other people, and many of you may not even realize it because you've been doing it for so many years that you don't even notice now. You don't even feel that pain that they're feeling. You don't even realize what you're doing to the image of God that you're displaying in your life. Because remember what we said, right? We're now Christians. We have the Holy Spirit in us. He is pushing us to do the right thing, and we are now displaying God in what we do. You're the tornado that that people have to turn the tornado sirens on for. It. I mean, it sounds stupid, but people have to prepare before you come into the room. Otherwise, they will get swept away. Your focus is entirely on things other than the gospel and the message of the gospel. Instead, it's on how unfair this election was. Or maybe how unfair the last election was. I don't know. Your focus is entirely on how many how many people are so stupid on the other side of the political aisle that you have to say something about it. Yeah, I know. I'm I'm bringing up politics from the from the pulpit. Not the best idea usually. <laughs> And let me tell you, I, I have a lot to learn. I'm young. I do. But this isn't a message from me. This is a message from the Bible. This is a lesson from the Bible. And if it, if it hurts a little bit, then maybe you need to do some self-inspection. Because this isn't Sam talking. This is, this is from the Bible. If you are more likely to argue with someone about politics, and you are more quick to throw around insults about the other side of the political aisle... If you're more likely to do those things than to make an active and real effort to demonstrate Christ by responding softly, holding your tongue, and demonstrating some peace through what you say or do, then you've got it all wrong. You just do. God has given Christians a, I mean, I I can't, I cannot emphasize this enough. God has given us a, a fantastic opportunity to demonstrate him through our current political arena. Because there's so much contention and strife out there, it's not even hard to stand out. If you just don't say anything, <laughs> that 90% of the time, that would be better than saying something about politics. Because that's demonstrating some peace. Everybody is going to say something, but if you just hold your tongue, demonstrate some peace. And you know, this, this includes myself too. I'm not just preaching at you guys, I'm preaching at myself. Because, I, I mean, I used to be a political science major. I, I mean, I was the guy. I, I, that was all well, I wanted to do was argue with people about politics. And sometimes I still do. <laughs> that hasn't gone away. <laughs> but the sheer chaos and, and the hate and the anger that is present in the political system and in every political discussion is an opportunity to demonstrate Christ by speaking softly and showing peace. If you see first an opportunity to tear someone down for their political beliefs before an opportunity to demonstrate peace in their life, then you've just got it wrong. Maybe you are the tornado then that is going around and spinning and and hitting people and and hurting people. Maybe you are the tornado that that is throwing around hate and anger and sowing destruction. I mean, look at the Hebrews passage again, right? Strive for peace with everyone. Strive for peace with everyone, and for the holiness without which no one will see the Lord. Think with me through this passage, okay? Let's just think through it, alright? What's that first word? Strive. What does that even mean, right? What does that mean? Well, the word is actually from the same root word as, as persecute in the Greek language. It comes from the same root word. So, in a way, this passage is saying that we should persecute peace. That seems really weird to say, doesn't it? That's that's a dichotomy right there of two very different words. (laughs) But that's that's what the author of Hebrews is saying. We are to strive for peace. We are to reach for peace. We are to search for peace. And we are to demonstrate the peace that God has given us so extremely hard that the author of Hebrews calls it persecution. Are you persecuting peace in your interactions with others? Or are you persecuting the people you talk to? Are you persecuting peace and how you talk about others behind their backs? Or are you persecuting the person and tearing down? The next part of the verse, uh, uh, strive for peace with everyone. Okay, let me be straight with you here. There is no exception to this. The with everyone there is, is, is a literal with everyone. We're to persecute and pursue peace with every single person that we meet. Not your your rude and rowdy neighbor, this is not an exception. Not your harsh and judgmental parent, not your friend that leans the other way in politics. Not your boss that won't get off your back. No one. None of them are exceptions. The author states clearly and plainly that you are to pursue peace with everyone. You are to go after that peace so hard that it looks like persecution. That is your number one goal when you talk to somebody else. You're going to do everything in your ability to find and use that peace. Why? Well, the author says in the last part of verse 14, because without this holiness and peace, no one will see the Lord. Sit on that for a second. Don't let your mind just skim over that. Without which no one will see God. If you don't do this, if you are, if you are pushing people away from God... By not pursuing peace and holiness, you're going directly against the Bible. They will not see God. They will not know Him. Verse 15, we are to see to it that everyone sees God because if we don't pursue peace and Christ-likeness with others, then bitterness pops up. If you go around saying you are a Christian, then act like like a selfish, conceited sinner, that's a tornado of pain and destruction, how are the people going to see God in that? It will cause bitterness towards Christianity and the church. I mean, I think some of us have seen this before, where, where we know someone who we've tried to invite, but they've had just one bad experience with a Christian or with somebody in church. And it, it completely destroys so many opportunities there on inviting them back. I mean, just think about it from their perspective, right? Why would I want to associate with Christians who say they are so good and have peace in God, but then are just like the rest of the people in the world who do nothing but hate? Every time you talk to someone, regardless of politics, every time you talk to someone or have any interaction with them, that is an opportunity to demonstrate and show Christ in their lives. And you've got you to start taking hold of those opportunities. You can't let those go. You know, can't keep putting it off. Every time you talk to somebody, don't, don't let some, certain exceptions fly through, right? Certain people, oh, you know what, I'm not worried about them. That's not at all what the Bible would say. You know, as I talked about in the beginning of this sermon, the world is in pure chaos. People are proclaiming everywhere that they know how to find peace and how to escape the chaos, but they are all lies and deceptions from people who just want to gain something else. Just like Jeremiah said. Hebrews shows us that we have been given a mission to pursue peace with everyone and to demonstrate that peace to them. That saving, lasting, fulfilling peace that Christ gives us. I mean, look at some of these other verses. Like I said, the Bible has no shortage of verses about this topic. Romans 12, 18, If possible, so far as it depends on you, live peaceably with all. Once again, that idea of living peaceably with everyone. No opportunity down the, down the drain. Matthew 5, 9. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called sons of God. Are you a peacemaker? Because, I mean, you've been given the peace, right? Jesus is in your heart. He's, you've been given that peace. So are you sowing that peace now in your interactions with others? Colossians 3.15, And let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts, to which indeed you were called in one body. Is that peace ruling in your heart? I mean, this is a callback to the first sermon I ever preached at Edgewood. That, that there is a ruler on your heart at all times, right? What's it going to be? Is it going to be Jesus? Is it going to be the peace that Christ has given you? Or is it going to be something else? Your desire to be right. Your desire to be correct. First Peter 3.11. Let him turn away from evil and do good. Let him seek peace and pursue it. James 3.18. This is a good one. And a harvest of righteousness is sown in peace by those who make peace. If you are a peacemaker in your life, if you sow that peace, there will be a righteousness to be harvested. Romans 14.19. So then let us pursue what makes for peace and for mutual upbuilding. And then 2 Corinthians thirteen eleven, Finally, brothers, rejoice. Aim for restoration. Comfort one another. Agree with one another. Live in peace, and the God of love and peace will be with you. Live in peace, and the God of peace will be with you. If you feel chaotic, if you feel like you're not living in peace, then ask yourself, is the God of peace with you right now? You need to sow peace to reap the peace back. I mean, guys, I don't even need to do the talking about being peacemakers in our society, in our church, because the Bible's already done it. There's so much. Talking about this. Pursuing the peace. Having peaceful interactions with others. God has made it abundantly clear that we are to be peacemakers. We are to live in such a way that that demonstrates the peace and the holiness of Christ. Because Christ himself was the Prince of Peace. He is the ultimate source of peace. To live in anger and strife and hatred and to be that tornado that people have to look out for is to do just the opposite of what Christ called us to do. Am I saying not to have opinions on things? Of course not. I'm not saying that. But you need to take those opinions and check them against what the Bible says, against what the Prince of Peace would say. Make sure that those opinions that come from within yourself are being checked by the Holy Spirit, which now dwells within you. And ask the Spirit for some self-control. Effort yourself into being a peacemaker, so when you get to heaven, you can be called a son or a daughter of God. Aim for restoration, not destruction. You're not here to destroy people, you're here to restore Comfort one another. Don't tear another person down. Agree with one another, not for no reason, but because Jesus has called for us to do something greater than gossip or politics or or hatred for no reason. Live in peace because God is the God of peace, as Paul says. Jesus was the Prince of Peace and called us to live out that peace so that everyone may see God. In order to accomplish our mission here, the Great Commission, we have to live peaceably. When we get to heaven, do we want our legacy to be one that was, that was tearing people down for petty disagreements? Destroying people? Constantly arguing with others and attacking them? No, we want to be peacemakers. That's ultimately what this is about, right? We're, to here, we're here to bring others to God. To bring glory to God by demonstrating Him in other people's lives. And if you want your legacy to be that of destroying people, then I don't know what to tell you. (laughs) We want to be peacemakers. We want to be called sons and daughters of God. I know this is a short sermon, but I want you guys to think about that. I think it's so important right now more than ever. What do you want your legacy to be when you get to heaven? What do you want God to, to say to you when you get to heaven? Good job on turning hundreds of people away from me by arguing about politics. Think about that. Let's pray. Dear Jesus, I know this is a, a hard topic for us. We have so many other priorities that are, are trying to take hold over you, God. Clear our minds and our hearts and and help us to focus on you more than anything else. It's so hard for us to stay focused on you in in America, God. And and I pray that you would help us. Give us that strength to focus on you and to focus on being a, a peacemaker like you were. In your name, amen.